Hi everybody, and uh, welcome back to uh, Precast. Uh, this is Precast episode three. My name is Preed, or sometimes people call me Preed Derva. I'm on Twitter at, at Preed Derva. Uh, I also have a blog, uh, Preed Derva uh, at WordPress.com. And uh, I've been an anime fan oh since the uh, the 90s, and uh, I've been reviewing anime for I don't know for for years now. And uh, you know. We uh, got together, we made this podcast here, so I'm here with my co-host. Hi everyone, uh, this is John Baruby here, uh, and uh, uh, for those who missed the first two episodes, just a little bit about me, a little bit of background information, been an anime fan for a while, not nearly as long as Preet here, uh, but uh, since around 2005, um, and uh, just, uh, I am a former blogger, I used to run a blog called Janai Blog, used to be on a podcast called Otaku and Review. Uh, been been around the Twitter for quite some time, and I still have an account there, John Barubi, at John Baruby. If you want to check me out, I po- I post mostly these days about idle trash because that is my thing these days. But <laughs> every now and then I do say stuff about other anime too. So, uh, thank you, John. So, uh, you know, it's been a while since we last last met, and uh, not not a lot of news uh, has gone uh, through the uh, the couple uh, about like a month that we haven't talked, but not too much news. But there was one major. Uh, important story, and it's actually really kind of sad. Uh, the mangaka behind uh, the infamous manga Berserk, he uh, passed away. He's only 54 years old. Uh, his name is, let's see if I can pronounce it right, Kenta- Kentaro Mi- Miura. Is that, am I saying it right? Yeah, uh, pretty good. Uh, pretty close. Kentaro Miura. Uh, yep. Miura, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, all that I really know about this story is, uh, you know, he he passed away of some type of, it's almost like a heart attack. He had, uh, like, uh, issues there with his heart, I believe. And, uh, you know, he's infamous for his manga berserk, which is it's popular all around the world, not just in Japan and America. It's a really big manga. It's, you know, it's known for the ultra-violence, but also it's, it's one of those show, one of those mangas that it, that's saying something. I definitely think he had a lot to say in his, in his manga. And another issue with, with him that it's, it's kind of connected to the fact that he died, I think, is he's always known for, like, overworking himself and then like he'll take a break and people would always complain i mean americans would complain and uh, obviously he's not reading america tw- america's twitter or anything <laughs> like that but he would com- the people would complain and say oh you know when's he getting back to it when's he getting back to it and and now we find out that you know maybe he might have died from overwork i mean i don't know if that's true or not but people do say that he might have died from just working too hard on you know some of these mangakas i mean they'll spend the whole day just drawing they have to have people remind them to eat and drink so I find that really kind of sad, and I wonder if if they're going to finish it. Does he have, like, a plan to finish it? Now, I never read the manga, but I did see about half of the anime, and it, it is really good. There's a lot there's a lot going on there under the surface. So uh, what was your take on, on this sad story, Jim? Uh Well, one thing I do know about the mangaka, about Makintoro Miura, uh, is that he was a big Idolmaster fan, and that was the big reason why um, it was kind of an ongoing joke between him and his fans, and that was kind of uh, the reason why... There was, it was there was such a long time in between chapters of the manga coming out. I personally, I I've seen a little bit. I've seen the first two Berserk movies. Uh, I know there is a third one. I've heard the third one is like really really extreme, and I'm not sure if I'm ready to stomach that. But 
yeah, I, it is it is something I probably should watch at some point. Uh, I know there's a lot more than just those three movies. Uh, there's a manga, there's a TV series, and whatnot. But uh, I, I, everything I've seen of Berserk has been pretty good. So it is probably something if I if I ever have the time to do so, I would like to check out more of. Yeah. Yeah, and and that I think that's a good point that you bring up that you don't know if you have the stomach to watch it because seriously, some of the stuff that he has is. I mean, we're talking about we talked about Judge last week or last month rather, and and that was kind of ultra violent. But I mean, that was tame compared to some of the stuff in Berserk. I mean, it's a fantasy manga. I mean, I only saw part of the anime, but and it was a TV series, so obviously it was highly censored compared to probably what was in his manga. And even that was really extreme. A lot of extreme content, heads getting chopped off, stomachs getting slid open, stuff like that. But it's not like a stupid ultra-violence, like maybe perhaps judges in, in, in a way a little over-the-top and stupid, but this is more of a serious kind, and again, since it's fantasy, it, it's similar to Game of Thrones in a way, where it's like the over, over the, not over the top, more like subdued, but serious and crazy violence, and there's, there's a lot, it's a lot to stomach, and sometimes people can't, you know, handle it. I, I don't mind that if some people can't really get into that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a pretty fair comparison, actually. Yeah, and, and there's definitely a political aspect to it, much like in Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones has got the whole politics aspect of people trying to get control of the throne. There is a politics aspect to Berserk. Uh, I don't want to summarize the story. It's been so long since I've seen it, but there's definitely... And, and the anime is a classic, by the way. If you haven't seen it, you do have, you do have to check out at least the anime. It's not as bad as, as I imagine that the uh, manga is. But also, his manga inspired so many... So many manga comes after him, and so many anime after him. So it, it really is a real loss, and he was only 54 years old. So he had so much more, I think, to give. So much more ahead of him, and it's kind of sad. And I think the whole anime community, at least what I've read about, is people have been rethinking themselves, saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't, you know, put so much pressure on these anime creators and these manga creators, and, you know, let them live their lives, and... You know, we, we put so much on them, and they do care about their work, and they care about their fans, and so maybe they overwork themselves too much, because he didn't need the money. Obviously, he was doing pretty well for himself. Yeah. So he didn't need to go out there and kill himself over this. He Not kill himself, literally, but, you know, work himself to death over this. But I think he cared about his fans, and he did hear back that some people say, oh, you know, he doesn't work hard enough, so... And I, I don't know if it led to his death, but it's a reevaluation I've seen in the anime community. People yeah, like pushing these. Creators. And I'm sure, like, yeah, given that he's an Idol Master fan, I'm sure a lot of fans are thinking, "Oh, you know, he spent so much time playing Idol Master when he could be doing work." And it's like, well, maybe that was his escape from reality, you know. And if that's if that's what he does, if then you know, if that's what he needs to do to to stay sane, you know, then that's probably a good thing. Um, I would argue maybe he needed more of that. I mean, although I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not, I don't, I'm no expert on Kintaro Miura, but, you know, I would say, you know, maybe don't put so much pressure, like you said, don't, don't, don't put so much pressure on these creators, especially, it, it, pretty much anyone working in, on the, at least on the Japanese side of anime, anime industry, the studios, the animators, the creators, they work really hard, and they're not paid enough to do what they do, um, especially the animators, so, you know, it's just, uh, unfortunately that's just the way it is, but, you know, don't. Give him a break sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's funny that he's into the idols and stuff. And that was a good release for him. You know, it's so different from what he does. It's totally yeah, tied is... to take his mind off of his work. Yeah, that, that is a crazy contrast from his, like, this big badass, you know, muscular man, manga, berserk with swords and, you know, beating each other up and killing and slicing. And then he loved, he just also happens to love idols. And, hey, that's that's awesome. I find that. I think that's fucking awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's really cool. I mean, he's got a varied taste. You would think he'd be into just the big muscle men and the, and the macho women and the just fighting and stuff, but he's into that kind of stuff too. And that was good, you know, turn his brain off, you know. Sometimes you gotta relax, and that was a good way for him to get out of it maybe. And it's, like you said, I think he could have used a little more idol in his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm really bad at transitioning from these really sad stories, so I'm not as good as those newscasters on TV. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I just got right another... into it. <laughs> <laughs> we do have another story that uh, kind of happened over this month uh, break that we've had here. And uh, the other story, it's not a huge story, but it uh, kind of took me by surprise a little bit. Otakon 2021 is, is scheduled to take place uh, in-person event. So this is going to be a real uh, convention, probably the first major convention. I know they had a tiny convention in like Texas and California since the since the pandemic began. This is going to be the big, a big major convention. And it's going to take place, I believe, in August. That sounds really interesting to me. I'm wondering how uh, conventions will bounce back from the whole pandemic and COVID and everything. So, Yeah, I'm actually thinking about going. I mean, this is going to be the, for the first convention in, what, a year and a half? At least the first major convention? And like you said, I think there was one in Texas. I think there was also like one in California that... Uh, I'm not sure if they actually they went ahead. Because I know they were under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, like a lot of people... This, this was like maybe a few months... Like three months ago when the pandemic was still a, a bigger thing. And, uh, yeah, the people were like, are you really? Are you serious? Because, no, 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 the bigger problem with that, I forget which kind it was, but they were going to close a vaccination center temporarily uh, for a few days so that uh, they could run this con. And that's that was the real thing that 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 a lot of people did. Yeah, like. that, was in the, that was in the traditional media. Yeah, I, I remember reading that in the traditional media. Vaccination site in California will close due to anime convention. Is this necessary? Da, da, da. Right. All right. Overdrawn, but still. Uh. Yeah. Of course, it's the media. But, but. but still, they, they had a point. <laughs> but there. yeah, Otakon is happening, apparently. Oh, absolutely. No, I do agree. I do agree. Obviously, um, but they did have a point. But Otakon is happening. and So Otakon's happening from August 6th through 8th. It's happening at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center, where it usually is. But they used to be in Baltimore, but... Uh, for those who follow the convention, they did move to Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm going to say, what, it's probably been seven, eight years now? Something like that. It is a bigger convention center. The area, I would argue, is maybe not as nice as the Baltimore Inner Harbor. Y your mileage may vary. You know, they, they got, they got, they were nice restaurants in the area, but, you know, it depends. If you want to get, but it's also a good excuse to go see some of the landmarks. Like, you know, if you want to visit, well, I guess you can't visit the Capitol, <laughs> but you could maybe visit the White House or... <laughs> and no, I don't know if you can visit the White House either. I've come to think of it. I don't know how much of it is on lockdown. You can still. see the museums but, um, and you can see the you monuments. Could maybe, you can visit the Washington yeah. Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, the, yeah, the Jefferson Memorial. You can visit that stuff at least. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah, Otakon. Yeah, the, the, the National Mall is really nice to see. National Mall is very nice. Yeah, I've been there a couple times. Uh, but yeah, so Otakon says uh, due to travel restrictions and mandatory requirements, they're going to do, you know, they're still going to do the event, but this year's main event may not include any international guests. So that's obviously a bit of a bummer. That's the highlight of why I go to a con often. Still, however, I'm probably still going to go because another reason I often go to cons is just to hang out with friends and to eat the food in the area or check out some of the restaurants. So despite the fact that they're not going to, that they might most likely not going to have any international guests. I might still go because, you know, I'm just, I miss cons. I really do. Um, you know, I miss just walking around the dealer's room, seeing people in cosplay, seeing other fans that are just as passionate about you, about this anime or whatever, um, being able to buy merchandise, uh, going to panels, learning about, I guess, like the history of anime or anime openings throughout the ages or, 
you know, whatever, some political <laughs> discussion about Persona 4 or something. You know, I know Charles Dunbar does a panel about that. <laughs> and I'd like to see him again. You know, he was always fun. His panels were always great. So, yeah, that's, that's, stuff like that is just what I miss. And uh, and I'd definitely let's, love to see a return to that soon. Right. And that, that would be a cool way to, to break back into, like, the real world. Like, the pre-2000 or the 2019 and before world. Or the before times, as people on Twitter call it. It'd be nice to get back to that and go to a con. That'd be so cool. I, I've, been, I've been thinking about going to that one, too. Cause I, it's been a while since I've been to a convention. I'm, I'm not as big in the conventions as you are. But I, I did used to like to go to them. So that would be it would be nice. Maybe we'll both uh, bump into each other there. Maybe we'll meet up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. So that's good news. You know, we have one bad news and one good news. Uh, there was another news story. I forgot to put this one in there. But just really quickly, I did want to maybe bring this one up. Uh, I know the Demon Slayer film was absolutely killing it at the box office. Did you hear about this one? Oh, it was good. Oh, yeah? It was good. Yes, but I did hear, I did hear the story. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I, not that I'm the uh, expert on box office numbers here, but, I mean, it was breaking records and everything, even during a pandemic. So it was, like, doing excellent, like, even compared to, like, normal movies, like, non-anime movies. That's awesome news, and I'm always happy when anime is doing good in any type of form, especially... And like the normal or normie movie theaters, that's like a good thing. Uh, I was excited about it. I did not go see it though. Uh, so you didn't see it either. No, no, I did. See, I saw. I saw the movie. It was really good. Oh, you did see it. Oh, it was yeah. good. All right. Oh, it, it oh, was. Cool. It was incredible. It was one of the one of the best anime movies I've ever seen. Actually, uh, outstanding animation, great story, great action, and everything. I'm not going to spoil it uh, because it actually takes place well into the plot of the series. You do. I, I would say maybe it's probably not essential to see. The first 26 episodes of the series, or 25, 26, whatever it is, before seeing the movie. The movie is, however, technically a continuation of the TV series. And there's a lot that you're not going to get if you hadn't seen the, the TV series beforehand. But, uh, yeah, I would very highly recommend watching yeah, that was, it. that was what was holding me up. So good, yeah. Well, well watch the TV series. What are you waiting for? <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. I'll have to watch the TV series, and then I'll check it out. Yeah, it is It is something you can binge, because it's just very smooth animation. It's by it's by Ufotable, the same same studio that did Fate Zero, and, like, I think they did all the Fate series, a lot of the Fate series. So, they're known for, like, really over-the-top animation, over-the-top quality animation. Yeah, it's really good, and the, the music is done by Yuki Kajura, who, who oh, you know yeah. her, right? Oh, From, uh, she's amazing. She did, yeah. uh... Yeah, she's done a lot of music for, for anime. Uh, what's one that, uh... The Girls with Guns series, she did, like, oh, El Cazador de la Bruja. Yeah, Noir, Madlocks, El Cazador de la Bruja. She also did yep. all those. What was the uh, the one where they, um, they're in the uh, the video game? She did all those. Oh, Dot Hack, yes. Yep. Dot Hack, yes, and she did she all that. She did Dot Hack and Sword Art Online. She did that, too, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And the Dot <laughs> Hack, uh, most of those anime aren't that, that excellent, but the music is just, like, amazing. Again, it's one of those yep. series that it's, like, I feel like the music outclasses the show. I mean, the shows are all right, but the music in that is top-of-the-line stuff. So her soundtracks are always excellent. She's one of my favorite uh, music producers or composers, at, you know. So I think that's a reason in its own to go see this movie. Yeah, and also just a, it's, it's kind of a related story that just popped into my head since you were talking about the Demon Slayer movie. The Demon Slayer manga, it was just, just this is kind of a I guess an, an own to the American manga, American comics industry. A story broke about saying the Demon Slayer manga alone outsold the entire American comics industry. And <laughs> oh my God, that is that's I, I don't know whether to laugh or be sad uh, because yeah. 
I mean, this is just like this is what a lot of people are just a lot of people just turning to anime these days because a lot of American, even American movies, cartoons, American comics haven't just been up to par lately. They they just I don't know. They've been very derivative, uh, very repetitive. I mean, how many Batman movies are they gonna make now? Like how many? Yeah, lo- lots of remakes. Lots of rehashes, and meanwhile, we got the anime and manga industry, despite how hard work they are, and despite how underpaid they are, they're still making quality content, God bless them. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and it's more varied, there's so many different things you can get in anime and manga versus, like, mainstream movies, I mean, they just, like you said, they keep doing remakes and stuff on it, so people are just kind of burned out on it, and they just want to see something new, something different, or same with, you know, the comic book industries, I mean, I feel like the American comic industry, I'm, I'm not an expert on this either, but it's so heavily focused on the superheroes, on the Marvel, on the DC, and you're missing out on a lot of different genres. I know there's smaller independent stuff, uh, and once in a while one of them will break, but I mean, it's, it's, in my eyes, it's so easy and so obvious why manga would outsell it. But the fact that uh, Demon Slayer, on its own, outsold most of the, or all the American comic industry is, is hilarious, and I think it's a good thing for anime, so. Oh, it's great for anime, absolutely. <laughs> Yep. And I don't I don't know if you've been to the mall recently, but I, I, I was at the mall the other day and there are like three or four stores and it's just like anime stuff in the windows and I'm like, what did I what did I wake up from the pandemic and like anime is all of a sudden like mainstream mainstream? I mean it used to be like like hot topic would sell anime shirts and that would be it. But now it's like every friggin' store you go to, just well, anime shirts everywhere. No, it re- it kinda is. It, 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 anime's really has broken into the mainstream uh at least certain anime. I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, obviously there's, there's still the niche anime stuff. But um, some of the more, more uh, I guess, more accessible shows like Demon Slayer, for example, uh, certainly I would say are mainstream. You could probably walk up to a random person on the street and talk about Demon Slayer. Or at least, and they would at least have heard of it. So Yeah. And that's a good thing because, man, 10, 15 years ago you walked up to somebody and unless it was like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or, you know, Maybe the Miyazaka films or something like they had no idea what the hell anime mm-hmm. was, and they were like, "Oh, those Japanese cartoons, those Chinese cartoons, right?" <laughs> they used to say those Chinese cartoons. <laughs> Chinese cartoons, the, yeah, the meme, the meme, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, some people recognized it, but I, I think it's cool. I think it's good that the more anime and the more anime fans, the better. I, I, I don't see any negative to that. I know some people like gatekeepers are like, "Oh, you only know Demon Slayer, or you only know this anime or that one." As like, you're not a real anime fan. But hey, they got to start somewhere. I mean, we all started with some anime that maybe wasn't the best maybe it was kind of generic or something and, and it, it introduces you it opens the door to more stuff yeah i mean if you only if you only watch the mainstream stuff like i'm not that's fine like i'm not gonna say you're not a real anime fan or anything like that i might jokingly say that just to tease yeah. you yeah i'm not i'm not gonna actually mean it uh so yeah that, that's that, that kind of gatekeeping is just stupid yeah, I'm always a fan of more people in the hobby, the better. Because what do we want? Like a hobby of like mm-hmm. five people who sit around and, and jerk each other off about anime? I mean, I think we need more more people in it, the better. Then it, it, you support more shows and it is more things, more manga, more anime, more variety. That's all good, in my opinion. Yep. All right, well, unless you had anything else to say about that one, I guess we can move on to the uh, anime review for this uh, episode. Well, didn't we want to talk about the... Oh, yes, yeah, the, the other uh, one, yes, I'm sorry. Definition of a certain word, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, the feedback. I almost forgot the main thing for this episode. Yes, we got a little feedback, uh, some people told me. Uh, we did mention in uh, one of the episodes, probably the last episode, we used the word moe a lot, and people were, they, they kind of know what moe means, but they're like, we want it, they wanted to know 
what John's definition of Moe is, and I, I feel he's the real expert here on Moe. So I'm gonna let him just monologue and talk about what Moe is, and maybe I'll interject and ask him a few questions on it, and then uh, then maybe at the end I'll give my opinion on what Moe is, what a Moe anime is. But I think John will have a great definition, and then that'll kind of clear up in a lot of people's head, like, what, what, what does this word mean? What does it mean to be a Moe anime or in the Moe anime genre? So I guess if you'd like to take it away, John. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's kind of a word that kind of stems from the fact that I've been an anime fan since like 2005, which is around the time many would argue the Moe boom started. And I guess to put it in simple terms right now, with the, the term Moe, what it actually means, and it, which is different from how I define it, but it, it is like a burning passion that you get, uh, I guess a feeling of endearment, not exactly love, but towards an anime character, usually an anime girl. I guess it can apply to boys in certain cases as well, uh, but yeah, it's just usually like, Moe literally means burning. It is it is just like, oh, that girl's so cute. It's not, it's not necessarily a sexual thing. It's not necessarily, you know, a creepy thing. It is just kind of a feeling of endearment, like you want to protect that person. Even though they're not real, you want to protect that person. Um, I simplify the definition, I just say it's cute girls in anime, because there's so, at least back, I'm going to say 15 years ago when I was, well, maybe 10 years ago, when I was very active on Annie Twitter, this was a discussion that came up every day, it was, uh, is Moe problematic? Oh, every day. Is it Is sexist? Moe a problem? Is Moe destroying anime? Is Moe ending the variety in anime? Oh, God, every day, every day. Yeah, and there were people there. There were people who I would argue with every day, and uh, I'm not going to name names, but they, 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 these, these were some pretty big names, some pretty big podcast hosts, media people, uh, these anime media people, that I would argue with over this. And it's just like it's not a problem. It's it's not it, it's not a creepy thing. Like why do you why do you even think that these are not real people that fans are saying are cute? It's, yeah. it's not pedophilic. They're not real. I think that's a good. I think that's a good point right there. Yeah. Uh, sorry to break up, but it's. I mean, it would be a little weird if people acted this way towards real people. And I know sometimes people want to use moe towards real people and and treat like actual human beings in this kind of way. And maybe in that sense, if you keep going down that ladder, you get into stalkerish, creepy area. But these are fake characters. They're not real. They're drawings on a piece of paper. So uh, and they're obsessing too much over what other people think about their opinion on pieces of paper and it's just it's come on it's a little bit it's, it's a little ridiculous at that point i mean let people like what they like come on yeah yeah moe is just like you you want to protect that smile that's it's like the meme you know i want to protect that smile um that was like kind of the big meme with rem from re-zero everyone loves rem from re-zero and want to protect rem's smile and like oh even when bad things happen to a character when a character's crying you want to protect the ca that character and you know make them happy that's what yeah. Moe is, really. That's, you know, uh, and again, like I said, I just simplify it to cute girls in anime. Because really, at the core, that's what it is. Um, and too many people, at least ten years ago, were taking the, the actual definition of Moe and kind of warping it into their own uh, kind of creepy, weird, wrong... I'm, gonna say, I'm just going to outright say it was a very wrong idea of what they thought it was. Um, like, so, yeah. some people claim that watching K-On! is a form of voyeurism... Uh, oh, I've never like, read no, that. That no, was what? 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 It was the dumbest thing I ever heard. It was like, come on. Was that uh, in the ANN forums? I think it was ANN. Yeah. I don't remember who said it, but I'm pretty sure it was ANN. 
uh, I remember the guy's avatar. It was it wasn't a real person who worked at A and N. It was just someone on the A and N forums, and he always had something to say about a moe anime. And yeah, I remember him saying Kaon is just voyeurism, and it's creepy, and it's wrong, and it's weird. And he said he felt. I won't name his name. If even if I remembered it, I wouldn't name his name. But remember, he, he said, "I feel really weird watching this because my daughter is that age or something." I'm like, well, "You're kind of like..." Well, then don't watch it. it. <laughs> exactly. Well, at first, don't watch it. But also, I feel like he's like internalizing something that is not there. Like he's put he's putting it in his own head that this is creepy because there's nothing really that creepy in Kaon. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really it's a very pure show. It's. <laughs> and uh, the weirdest part is some of these same people will have absolutely no problem with a show like Love Hina or some of these crazy over-the-top fan service shows because they watched that when they were younger and they're like, oh, yeah, that's okay. But, I mean, if you watch, like, Love Hina, like, there's some creepy stuff in Love Hina and it's, like, always panty shots and always, like, girls falling over guys and stuff like that. But that was okay. I, I never understood that. I'm like, those shows are so actually intended to be sexual. I mean, there's a fan service element to it. Most of the Moe shows is really not a lot of fan service in that kind of traditional sexual way. Maybe there's a fan service in a cutesy, oh, the girl falls, or she has the toast in her mouth, or she does something embarrassing, but it's not like a sexual thing. And if you look into it as a sexual thing, I think that says more about you and what's going on mm-hmm. in your head than what's on the TV. There's a little bit of projecting. No, I would argue there's a little bit of projecting going on there if you think it's a sexual thing. I'm just going to outright say it. <laughs> but, exactly. um, yeah, that's... These were the arguments of like the so-called anti-Moe brigade back then. This is what they were called. Like we we actually had like these arguments, and there were these blogs. Like there was some pro Moe blogs, some anti-Moe blogs. Like you had like uh, Colony Drop. I know was a big one. They they would always go uh, after the Moe fans, or they would make fun. They would make fun of them. I don't know if they would out, they would outright attack them, but they would call them out and they'd make fun of them and stuff. And it was just like, eh, come on, guys. You know you want to you want to try to make anime be a better and more welcoming place, and you're going to do this shit. Uh, I, I think they eventually rebranded. There's something completely different these days, and good for them. And, you know, if it works for them, great. If, as long as they've stopped doing that bullying crap. And I think they have. Um, yeah. There was, with Colony <laughs> Drop in particular, uh, those guys used to scan Twitter, uh, scam, uh, you know, anywhere on the forums and anything, and try to take things out of context that Moe fans said, and then try to twist them and say, look, see, these are a bunch of losers and stuff. And it's like... Come on, like, what do you have? You have that much free time to like look through the internet and try to find one thing out of context somebody said that kind of sounds a little weird or creepy, and then just like try to say everybody who likes Moe is into that. And yeah, I'm sure there probably are a few weird, uh, creepy guys out there that probably did post something weird online, and then and they made oh, it to like Moe too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you say, oh, everybody who likes Moe is then like that weird, creepy guy. I'm like, what? What? And like, come on, I felt yeah. like it was the anime civil war there. Yeah, it had to find some fight every day. It had to, had to dig up some kind of, ooh, look, look what he said kind of thing every damn day. Yeah, and I remember at one point they even made a side blog where they would just uh, look at other people's blogs and they would take snippets out of their blog posts and just, just kind of copy and paste them so they'd make fun of them. It was, yeah, that's uh, it. That's that's the I'm one not, I'm talking about. Yeah, I think it was it called Shit, Shit, Shit Otakusei. Yeah, Shit Otakusei. Was that okay? I, thought, I think okay. that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, it was that. Yeah, and then one of my posts ended up there on there, and I when when it did, I tweeted at them. I was like, "Hey, thanks for the extra clicks." Because really, yeah, I got a ton of traffic promotion. from that. That's good. Yeah, 
<laughs> and they're trying to make us make uh, make anybody out to seem like a dork or a creepy guy and like oh look at what this weird stuff that this person said and usually it was taken out of context usually half the time i remember looking and okay well, what is this weird thing this person said and they were like joking or it was totally not what they meant sometimes it was the opposite of what they meant and it's like oh well let's just post it up there like that's totally what they mean i just i just absolutely hate that stuff it's like you're just breeding animosity here you're trying to start fights you're trying to think that you're the cool guy, but I don't know. Cool person doesn't need to go around and, like, find things that you take and take it out of context and then, like, oh, look at that guy over there. He's a dork. Uh, like, come on. Don't you have more things, that, better things to do with your life than spend it, like, trying to ridicule these people? Yeah, like, if they took half the energy they spent attacking Moe fans and just put it into uh, talking about what they love more, and they, they did do plenty of that. You know, they, they were a Mecca blog, and they, they didn't skimp on talking about Mecca, but yeah. just do that more. You know? Yeah, they should have done that more. That yeah. is how you grow the anime fandom, and that is how you get these people that you don't like, these Moe fans, to actually watch Mecha stuff. And talk about it, you know? Exactly. Talk about some Moe elements that might be in these Mecha shows. Because even Gundam has some Moe elements in it. I've seen a few of them. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, true. it exists. That's <laughs> true. And, and, you know, not to totally badmouth them, because, like, you're right, a lot of their stuff that they did write on mecha anime or some old-school anime, they, they did a very nice job covering those, and, and they go into deep analysis. Oh, they were, they were great writers. They were really yeah. good writers. I, you know, yeah. I did read their blog, and I was like, yeah, this is quality content, if only they weren't such assholes. <laughs> yeah, they're really... And I hate to talk bad about anybody, but they really were kind of jerks. And that kind of mentality goes along with... I remember the other mentality that used to be on, on Twitter... Uh, People used to go to the conventions, talking about conventions, and they used to knock the fedoras off of people's hats. Like, yeah, all right, you're going to wear a fedora, you think you're cool, whatever, all right. But you're going to touch somebody's property, like, and knock it off their hat, like, knock it off their head because you think fedoras aren't cool anymore? Like, all right, like, that's a little extreme. Like, you could say, okay, I would never wear a fedora in my life, no matter what. Like, I'm cooler than that. Okay, but you don't need to go around and touch people's stuff. Like, that's so weird. Like, that's so invasive. Like, imagine doing it to, like, a girl. A girl's wearing, like, a cute, like, sailor hat or something, and you're just, I'm gonna knock that off because that's not cool. You're creepy. Why are you wearing that? Like, that would be, like, considered probably sexual harassment. You're touching a girl. Like, so why would, why is it okay to touch some guy? I mean, maybe you don't like fedoras, but you don't need to go around and, like, knock hats off of people. Do you remember what, what I'm talking about with that? I actually, i never heard of that. I've never heard of them. It wasn't Colony Drop. It wasn't Colony Drop, but it was people who liked Colony Drop and, and, and other people uh, that kind of associated on that side of the interwebs. So, yeah, they used to go around and wow. knock the doors off of people uh, at yeah, conventions. I mean, I get the idea, like the, the whole... Um, stereotype of the guy, uh, the nice guy wearing the fedora. Not you know, obviously not really a nice guy, but whatever. But like, don't do that. That's a people's property, you know. That's, that's exactly. that is kind of fucked up. Yeah, that's so weird. Like, okay, you could maybe say online, you know, oh, the people wear fedoras, they're kind of creepy or whatever. Or look at them with their porn mustaches and their fedora hats. All right, I mean, that's one thing. But to then go to conventions and just, like, whack the fedoras off their heads and go, ha, ha, like, laugh at them like uh, Nelson in The Simpsons. I'm like, come on, grow up. And also, that's a little invasive. Like, don't be touching mm. people's property. Yeah, but back to Moe. In answer to, to answer your question, whoever it was that commented and asked, it is, to me... Cute girls in anime. Um, and uh, Moe is not a genre. You know, I'm not going to go around and saying, oh, oh, this is a Moe anime. Um, like, Love Live is a Moe anime. Or uh, um, Lucky Star is a Moe anime. Or Hargis uh, is Mia. But, like, you know, it's um, Moe is a thing that exists. An, ele an element of anime. Um, anime 
And it, it could be in any genre. Yeah. It could be in any genre. Like, there are... So I was going to say, uh, Moe can be in any genre. And it literally, I think it has been in pretty much every genre. There's been sci-fi Moe. There's been um, Slice of Life Moe, which is probably the most common. Um, there's been Music Moe, because we have that with K-On! and Love Live, uh, Idolmaster. Um, there's been Horror Moe, uh, with shows like Another and Higarashi. Um, there's definitely Fantasy ooh, what, Moe. What, what genres might there be? Fantasy Moe with lots of isekai series these days. Uh, and what was that? Sacred Blacksmith by uh, Main Globe. Definitely Moe fantasy, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a blast. That, Sacred Blacksmith. I remember when Funimation released that. Oh, yes, uh, that's an old that was, uh, yeah. that was one. That was one that everyone liked to... That was one everyone liked to rip on for being bad, if I recall. Uh, I never watched it myself, so I can't really say. I can't believe people didn't like that. I didn't. I didn't even pay attention to what B's opinion on that one was. From what I recall, I think one of the common complaints about that show was that there was a lot of boob jokes in it, and the the, the joke was kind of driven into the ground a lot about how okay, big yeah. the main character's boobs are or something. Which yeah, that's I mean, that's there. that's that's anime at this point. You know, it's just like, come on, this is this is par for the course. It's anime. That's that's so common though. That's been the joke since the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I again i haven't watched the show myself so yeah that's not a big criticism there uh that's kind of silly uh <laughs> what i remember from sacred blacksmith was yeah i mean the plot is nothing groundbreaking and the the characters are nothing groundbreaking but it's a solid show with a good core to it and uh very engaging very interesting and yeah i guess they do hammer home t- a little maybe too hard her breasts are big and <laughs> and there's a little bit of fan service there with that but oh come on like uh you gotta criticize it for what every anime does come on yeah yeah i gotcha <laughs> yeah it's not a masterpiece like let's not ho- hold it up there with like neon genesis or something but it's it's come on it, it's not sloppy so i don't know that's my opinion yeah. on it uh, so yeah. I, mean, I think it, I think you touched on an interesting thing there that Moe is not a genre because that's that's definitely a side to take there that's definitely sticking your neck out a little bit because I do know a lot of people would definitely say no 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 Moe is a specific genre and I was gonna ask you like what makes an anime a Moe genre like what files it into that Moe genre and you're gonna say no 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 Moe is not even a genre Moe is just a trope like if you go to TVTropes.com. There's all these different tropes of different things that movies and TV shows can have inside them. And Moe is just one of the tropes that an anime could have. So is that is that kind of your interpretation of what Moe is? Yeah, I mean, I was saying, this is really, like, where, where do you draw the line be- before you call it a Moe anime? It's like, what, what's the criteria? You have, like, you know, you could have, you have plenty of shows out there, like, even action shows that have, like, maybe four or five cute girl characters. And there could be plenty of male characters, too. Um... And even some of the girls might be more adult in, in or or rather, I mean, and there, there's even cute adult characters. You have like shows like New Game where they're all, you know, they're all over eighteen, college age, and they're still very cute. Even uh, shows like Golden Times, another one, another example. Um, what else? Uh, a Rent a Girlfriend. They're they're all college age as well. But like, you could have like a hundred percent Moe characters. Shows like Lucky Star, where it's every literally every show, every character in the show is a cute girl. Yeah, every girl in that anime is a specific type of moe or a cliche type of character. Every character in the show, or like shows like Love Live, every where where there's I think maybe two men in the entire show, um, and you never even see their face. So, and then you, you could have shows where literally it's just the main character's younger sister is cute. So where do you draw the line before you call it a moe show? There's there's really no criteria for it. It's just that's why I say there's, there's no such thing as a moe anime. It's moe is a thing. That is in anime, 
has been in anime since I'm gonna say even the 90s um, because shows like Martian Successor Nadesico certainly had it Evangelion absolutely had it and probably spearheaded oh, a definitely. lot of it and uh, Melancholy of Harvest Mia, despite being a very sci-fi sci heavy plot has some very moe characters in it as well and probably was what made it blast off into let's call it the mainstream anime anime mainstream <laughs> <laughs> At least for a good five years or so, which is when which is when a lot of Moe detractors started saying, you know, all that stuff that we mentioned earlier. Um, but now I'd say, you know, for, for you know, and, and for a while, a lot of shows tried to be like Lucky Star because Lucky Star was hugely successful, and it was it was very successful for a reason. You know, it had a lot of great references to older animes, especially Gundam. And I was not, I didn't get a lot of the references because I hadn't seen Gundam. I still haven't seen a lot of Gundam. But uh, for the for the fans, it was great. The problem was like at that at that time, I'm gonna say in the late 2000s, between 2006 and like between 2000 maybe 2008 and like 2014, somewhere around that era, a lot of there were a lot of shows that came out that just tried to be let's take a slice of life show, let's have like four cute girl main characters, and that's that's a show. Uh, it didn't work the vast majority of the time, and that was when a lot of the yeah. Moe detractors would would say their things. That was when you know, and, and you, there were people like me at the time who, you know, I mean, maybe some maybe to a foolish extent would even defend those shows because I was just like, I don't, I like this Moe thing, I don't, I don't want it to go away, so I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say a single bad thing about it. And so you know, to to maybe criticize my old self a little bit, that was what maybe that was something I could have done a little bit better, but. What happened is eventually anime figured it out. You know, they figured it out. Let's not shove it into everyone's face, but let's let's sprinkle it in there. And I think with shows like Mahoka, um, what else? Uh, Sorted Online, I would say, is, is more, more than a sprinkle. But I guess that's a, that's a fair example of like uh, the kind of a heavier moe. But but still, it's not. You know, I mean, the main character is a guy, and there's plenty of guys in the show, but. A lot of people are watching it for the waifus, to be honest. Uh, ReZero, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a, a bit of a sprinkle, and well, more than a sprinkle there. But I think you kind of get what I mean. Is you know, they figured out how to sprinkle it into shows, and ever since then, anime has been wildly successful. That that's it, you know. That is the rest race itself. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I just want to touch on the whole idea again of as moe as mm -hmm. a genre. Yeah, I know you say that. Yeah, you know, it's 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 where would you draw the line and everything like that. But you could say that about a lot of you could say that about a lot of stuff. It's like. All right, this is a horror show. It's like, all right, well, that's a horror. All right, so yeah, we could definitely say like Halloween is a horror movie, for example, like a live action movie. Halloween's a horror movie, and then you get to something like Alien, right? And you go, well, it's sci-fi because it takes place in outer space, and it's like, well, no, I mean, it has these horror elements in it. So is it a horror movie or is it sci-fi? So I think all genres kind of bleed. It's very difficult to go. All right, this is this movie here is a drama. I was like, yeah, but it's got some comedy in it. Okay, it's a comedy drama. Well, how much comedy in it does it need to be to be a comedy versus a drama? All these lines are very vague. So if you're, but people will will say that you know, Moe is a genre, and it's like, oh, well, where do you draw the line? And I think where do you draw the line on any genre it is is difficult, imprecise. Definitely your opinion. People will say. For example, the Girls with Guns shows that we were talking about earlier, Noir, El Cazador, and uh, Madlax, they'll say, oh, those are action shows. And in my opinion, I think they're mostly dramas. How much action do you need in it for it to be an action versus how much action in it do you need it to be a drama? That's Everyone will draw the line differently. So where do you where would uh, people draw the line on if an anime is in the Moe genre? I think that would be personal opinion on that. So if Moe is a genre at all, but you're saying absolutely 
It's it's not a genre. It's just yeah. I mean, maybe it's just like that is that is a very good point you bring up, and I could be wrong. Maybe it could be a genre, and maybe it's just the fact that it's kind of been drilled into our heads that the established genres of media are horror, drama, romance, uh, um, comedy, sci-fi, and like those are the established genres that. And you really, you know, you can add a little bit to that. You can have like uh, dramedy or or romantic comedy. but, you know, if you want to add something completely new to that, like the concept of cute girls, is it really a genre or is that just something that's in the show? You know, it's 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 a difficult question to answer, but <laughs> some, something to think about for yeah. sure. If you're going to walk up to me and say Moe is a genre, I'm not going to jump down your throat over it. It's, you know, it's that's your opinion. You know, go nuts. That's an interesting debate that, that to be had and... and uh... I could see, I could, I could see valid points on both sides. And if Moe is a genre, I think what people want to point to is those slice of life shows, like K-On, definitely number one example there. But also the stuff like Canon, Air, Clannad, those dramas. They're definitely emotional. Uh, they usually have the cute girls doing cute things, but also there's some drama to it. And there's also this like, usually girls are in some in some instance they're vulnerable in some way or they're they do something embarrassing and. You want to care about those characters, and sometimes maybe it's a, a crush, quote-unquote crush on them, and maybe sometimes it's a romantic thing, but I think the whole idea is it, it's more of like the Moe thing is yeah. to take care of the character, right? Like, oh, you, you feel something for yeah, them, you want to yeah, help Yeah, I them. do agree. I think, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that seals it. That's, uh, yeah, I think that's a good, uh, conclusion to how we would define it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's just this is my opinion on it. As I, I think I could definitely see how people would, would argue that it, it could be a genre. I could definitely understand how you could say it's not a genre, it's a trope. If it is a genre, it's something that bleeds into other stuff. And uh, just one more point on it is definitely uh, it's it's not a sexual thing, although I guess some people could t- turn it into a sexual thing. But I don't think Moe is a sexual thing, not that I'm the god of Moe. It is not inherently sexual. Um, it is is often made sexual by the fact that a lot of the shows, uh, because Moe is ha- commonly a thing associated with female characters, uh, they the shows will often, the student animators will often do things like putting the female characters in compromising situations. Um, or a lot of fan artists will draw, dr- will make drawings of them in compromising, compromising situations or with little clothing on. Um, fan service situations, whether, you know, they fall on top of a guy or a guy falls on top of them or there's a swimsuit episode, you know, obligatory swimsuit episode that every TV series has to have. Um, it is not the fault of Moe itself. It is just the fact that that is because Moe is often associated with female characters and because people like the female body in general and that includes both guys and girls. Yeah, and I think it's not even just Moe. I mean, anime in general is often turned into sexual things, whether the character was a Moe character, quote-unquote, or not. For for years, they've always been taking characters and making sexualizing them. So I don't think that's an issue with Moe. It just happens that Moe is associated with young, vulnerable girls, youthful, innocent, and then people have then taken that and, and done what they've done to anime since the 70s and 80s is sexualize the girl, sexualize the guy, you do, do whatever. So I, I don't think it's necessarily a Moe thing. It's just something that's that's in anime yep. itself. Completely uh, Yeah, so yeah, it's, that's, that's good. I think hopefully we didn't confuse people and uh, we, we shine some light onto what Moe is. And uh, 
what it what it could be and uh, how people interpret it. So I guess after that, we will transition into reviewing our two anime today. All right. Yeah, so the two anime we decided to, to tackle today, uh, there's actually a lot of, I, I was thinking about them, there's a lot of the, uh, connections between these two anime. Uh, we decided to do Read or Die, the, o- the OVA, or R.O.D. the OVA, that was John's suggestion. And I picked uh, Gunsmith Cats, which is an OVA, as well. So, they're both three episodes long. Uh, Read or Die is from, I believe, the year 2000, and uh, Gunsmith Cats is from the 90s. So, maybe John can start us off with uh, Read or Die, just, you know, summarize the plot. Sure. So, Read or Die, uh, at least the OVA, came out in between 2001 and 2002. So, there is also a TV series and a manga series, of course. But don't don't confuse the two, uh, the TV series and the OVA. They're two they're very different, completely different story, different cast of characters. I don't recall if the stories are connected in any way. It's been quite some time since I saw the TV series. Um, there There is a slight connection, I believe, between the, the, uh, the characters there. And uh, there are references made to the OVA in the... Uh, TV series and certain characters kind of pop up here and there, but I think the TV series is kind of its own thing, but it's set okay. to take yeah, which, place which in makes that sense. world. Yeah. Uh, but whenever anyone talks about Read or Die uh, or ROD, they're probably talking about the OVA. It's a three-episode OVA. Each episode is 30, uh, 30 minutes, so it's a little bit longer than your typical episode where you know you have your th- commercial break making it 23 minutes. So it's a full 30 minutes uh, per episode. Uh, and it is a story about... Uh, well, it follows the main character's name is Yomiko Reedman, and she's kind of like this, I guess, Moe character, <laughs> to, to uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, she is a little bit airheaded, doesn't, uh, but she also has like this superpower to control paper. She also really likes books, uh, really, really, really likes books. Um, bit of a bibli- bibliomaniac, and um, she is uh, involved in this going up against this group of bad guys uh, called the Ejin that are basically, because of their weird uh, ideolo- ideology or whatever, they want to... They're trying to basically... What they're doing is they're resurrecting a bunch of famous dead people. And one of the people they resurrect is Beethoven. And they're trying to get him to finish his final symphony to get him, which, which apparently has the power to make everyone ki- kill themselves. <laughs> so Yomiko and she teams up with this... Uh, what's, the, what's the guy that guy that she teams up with drake anderson yeah drake drake yeah she teams up with, with drake and miss deep which that name is hilarious but yeah this other this other girl named miss deep that's that's obviously a code name that she uses but yeah they team up to take on this organization that is trying to destroy the world or at least trying to trying to kill all humans yeah i think uh one one aspect of it that you kind of left out was they're they're all hired by this guy joker and I think he works, he's supposed to be working for the British Library, which is like, you know, just the library collections of old books. But actually, they're like the secret James Bond, 007, secret, uh, you know, spy agency. And they hire these people with these magical powers. So Yo- uh, Yomiko's power is the, the, the power over paper. And she has these, you know, crazy powers. She can turn a piece of paper into like a piece of steel or into like a razor blade. And she can do crazy things with paper. Miss Deep has her own power, and also they have regular people like Drake, who uh, just are like really good with guns and sniper rifles and stuff like that. It's interesting that besides Beethoven, at least in my opinion, the uh, the Ingens, the people that they're that they're resurrecting, are kind of obscure. At least in my opinion, obscure 
people from the past. Like, there's the guy who's well-known for, like, grasshoppers and bugs. And there's the guy who was, like, really known for flyers, like, gliders and stuff. Like, if it was me, and they told me, okay, make an anime and resurrect all these old dead people. Yeah, Beethoven, yeah, of course. But I wouldn't be, like, Otto Lithenthal, I would, who was the uh, glider guy. <laughs> I'd pick, like, the Wright brothers, right? And I wouldn't be, like, I wouldn't pick, like, some bug guy. Maybe I would do Darwin. So, I don't know, it's just an interesting take as maybe obscure people who are being resurrected, but they're really good in their, you know, in their field. Like, the bug guy, he knows everything about bugs. And the and the uh, glider guy, he knows everything about gliders. So, it's, it's kind of interesting that they pick these obscure uh, people in the past. And I know the first time I watched this, I didn't know who the hell any of these people were except Beethoven, and I had to get online to figure out who these people were. Yeah, actually, this is a little interesting. I'm looking at, like, the, the grasshopper guy is Jean-Henri Fabre. And, like, one of the other characters they resurrect is uh, this guy named E.Q. EQ Sojun on Otto Lilenthal. I'm like, these are people I've never heard of. But they were all, you know, people that had contributed to history in some way. And they were, their, their quote-unquote superpower was in some way related to what they did in, real, in the real world when they were alive. So it's kind of interesting how they just picked, like, some very obscure people. Um, not, you know, still famous, but, uh, relatively obscure. Exactly, yeah. People who are important in history, but, I mean, unless you're, you're like, a bug expert, you're not gonna know who the hell, what was his name, uh, Jean-Henri Fabriere is. Like, you're not really gonna know that person. So, uh, I find that interesting, and at, at the very least, it makes people interested in who are these people, like, like I was, and, like, who are these people, and you'll kind of look into who they are. But it also, it adds a unique element to this anime, and it makes it a little less corny where it would be kind of corny if okay let's just resurrect all the you know ancient uh famous people that everybody knows and just have them kind of like duke it out or something like that no this anime is a little smarter than that we're gonna we're gonna you know resurrect these people and we're gonna give them superpowers and yeah it's a little over the top and yeah it's very james bondy and yeah it's very spy like and yeah the whole thing is uh Beethoven is going to write a death sympathy where he'll kill everybody. Everyone will kill themselves if they read it. I listen to it. I'm sorry. But there's a little more smart to it than that. There, there, there's a little more intelligence behind it than just kind of, you know, famous people duking it out kind of thing. My uh, opinion on the characters is uh, I absolutely loved uh, Yomiko, or uh, I think her name is Agent Paper. Oh, yes, the, the paper. Yeah, the paper or Agent Paper. In the dub, I think they call it Agent Paper. They're all these, you know, very, uh, you know, spy-like kind of things. Totally James Bondy. Uh, but the cool thing about her, she's a total biblio, bibliophile, bibliomac. Uh, she's totally obsessed with books. And so she's kind of like the one that starts everything off because she's trying to find this rare book. And she spends all her money on these rare books and she finds this one rare book and it turns out that that rare book has the sympathy, sympathy, yeah, sympathy, that Beethoven wrote on it before he died and they need that book for him to write this death sympathy. Yeah, I can't say it. Death sympathy. Yeah, sympathy. To uh, have everybody kill themselves. So total James Bond in that aspect too where the villain is doing crazy over the top like everyone's going to die, ha ha ha, kind of things. But the anime takes it a little more serious, but it also is fun. It's a very fun show, very action-packed. Yeah, it is, and it's got good music, it's got pretty good animation for the time, especially considering the studio that did it, Studio Dean, is not exactly known for the best animation. Uh, this is probably one of their best works, actually, so not bad there. And uh, I don't know if it's still on sale. Actually, I'm going to check right stuff to see. I, I actually still had the Blu-ray box set, from when Aniplex released that. Um, I think Aniplex, yeah, Aniplex rescued it, and it's, I think it's still technically in print from Aniplex. 
if you can if you can find that it's a little pricey because everything Aniplex put out was always kind of uh, pricey. I don't see it listed on right stuff. Um, however, there's an art book for thirty dollars, so I would oh that's out of stock too. But this is expecting more, so maybe you can grab one soon. Um, I do have that art book too. That is a very good art book. So if you see that, also if you're in your fan of the uh, in your fan of the series, I recommend getting that as well. But yeah, and uh, but if you do manage to find the Blu-ray box set that Aniplex put out, it might be a little hard. But it's um, I think it was about a hundred dollars when it first came out, maybe one fifty, because uh, that included the TV the twenty-six wow. episode TV series in addition to the OVA, um, plus a bunch of bonus content. Um, like booklets oh, okay. and stuff, so it was worth the money. I feel, and Aniplex always does a good job with their releases. So yeah, I have the Manga Entertainment release of this. Oh, Manga Entertainment, man! Oh, that's a blast from the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they did a. Uh, they usually do a decent job with their releases, but they did a very terrible, a very crappy job with the release of this. Uh, the, the the major problem that everyone criticized them for is they did not translate a lot of the writing that is in uh, Japanese. It just didn't translate it at all. There's no way for you to see what oh, they geez. said, what was written. That happens from time to time. You know, Aniplex did, the, did it right. They, they, did, they translated the the writing and stuff. But yeah, I've, I've seen a few examples, and I can't recall any specifics, but with the official release, just, no, they just we just didn't bother to translate the text. It's like, uh, kind of important, guys. <laughs> yeah you kind of miss out on uh something very early on is written i forget what it was now but it was someone wrote something to her very early on to yomiko like right when she wakes up and like totally don't understand what that means and you don't understand there's a time where they write there's like a picture of her in the bookstore and it's like most valuable customer and and you kind of miss out on these little details and yeah it doesn't destroy the well, show it's just like one thing you miss out and i remember from the beginning of the show is when she's waking up in her apartment or wherever i think she lives in the roof of a building but um she, she's waking up and you see like all these post-it notes where she has to constantly remind herself to lock the door, to, to, yeah, that's to a, eat yeah. the lunch that's in the fridge, to turn off the light. It's like, uh, it's just a little bit of, uh, you know, character building, I guess, is the, so, you get a, so you get a quick glimpse into what she's like, that she's kind of this careless, um, little bit airheaded character, but she, but you later learn, obviously, that she actually is kind of badass. Uh, yeah, and I had my fiance kind of translate some of the stuff for me because I mean, she's not Japanese, but she's she's Chinese, but she she could read some of the the the, the uh, Chinese characters, and I'm like, all right, at least I can understand what the hell this is saying because I can't read Chinese characters, so I I cannot read Japanese. So I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. So it was it was good that she she was there to translate for me because uh, I do remember yeah, a lot of the kanji issue. characters uh, are, do mean. Uh... Similar things in Chinese and Japanese. They don't all mean the same thing, but I actually know a few Chinese people that can speak and read Chinese, and they're because of that, they're able to read Japanese. They can't, obviously, pr- pronounce the words and, as the Japanese word, but they at least know what the, the text means. So that's just a bit of an aside. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not direct, and you can't always, uh, you can't always uh, understand it. But it, it, at least some, sometimes you can kind of figure out what they were saying, and 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 very simple stuff. Uh, it worked out pretty pretty well. At least I kind of got a better understanding than what Manga Entertainment did, who I'm usually I usually used to be very happy with their work, but they definitely dropped the ball on this one. Uh, so some other stuff about this one. I do love how Agent Paper, like you said, she's so obsessed over books, and she's so into that. Very similar to I, I think we we're talking about a lot of mangakas. Uh, are just so obsessed with their work that she doesn't, like you said, she forgets to eat. 
she forgets to eat, she forgets to drink, she needs she needs uh, sticky notes to remind her about all these different things that otherwise just boom would totally be out of her head. She wouldn't she wouldn't uh, remember that stuff. I I kind of I find that so adorable, so likable. Mm-hmm. Plus her her messy hair. Uh, she's a very interesting character. There's not a lot of anime characters like her. At least not a yeah. lot of girls. Yeah, that I, don't, are like I her. totally agree. So that is kind of like this endearing, adorable, maybe moe kind of thing about her is that she uh, uh, is co- is constantly forgetting these things. Yeah, and like I said, she's she she's totally airheaded, totally head in the clouds, totally like just aloof. But when it comes to books, all of a sudden she turns super serious and she like gets into it and like, all right, time to like get serious here. And she's like, I want my book back. I want my book back. And I liked the power. I mean, there's a lot of unique stuff about Vito Die the OVA. Uh, but I really liked the unique powers that these characters had, especially the power of turning paper into steel or turning paper into, like, razor blades or turning paper into, like, a, a giant uh, glider. She'll turn it into, like, a paper airplane and save the day by turning a bunch of paper into a, a giant paper airplane or turning paper into a parachute. Like, these types of things, I thought that was pretty unique and it was very cool, very different. Uh, never seen anything else have a pa- any other anime or anything else for 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 back of a better word uh, turning paper using paper as some type of superpower i mean like superman's got the laser eyes and flying and stuff like that spider-man's got his webs but i never heard of someone with paper power yeah i can't think of anything that would really compare to that it's uh yeah paper power that's a, that's a good way to put it it's like you know who else what other characters in comics and fiction in general have the ability to manipulate paper with their mind that's that's something fairly Fairly original, I'm gonna, I would think. And, you know, commenters, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I don't think something like this has ever been done before. Yeah, I don't think before or since, except in the other, in the uh, Reader Die TV show, which I tried to get in uh, into, but I, I, it's just not as good as this. That's the only problem with Reader Die, the OVA, is when it's done, you really want more. I mean, it's only three episodes. That's my major criticism of it, is it's, it's so... It's so action-packed. It's so maybe the characters aren't fully developed, and and there's not it's not that much there. And you're and you're just hoping that oh, there's gonna be a sequel or something. And so you jump into the TV series, and it's just it's vaguely related. It's set in the same universe. The main characters will pop in and here here or there, but it's not about Yomiko. It's not about Miss Deep. It's not about the Joker, their their boss. He I think he's in there once in a while, but it's about completely separate characters, and uh, it's just not as engaging. It's much slower. It's more of a drama than an action. It's not. It doesn't have this uh, James Bond esqueness to it. It, it kind of loses a lot of that. And I know a lot of people do like the TV series, but it's it just doesn't didn't do it for me. I don't know if you you've looked into that, but it just it just doesn't do it for no, me. No, I, I did watch the TV series, and I remember enjoying it. I think I wrote a review on it. If I could dig it up, it's somewhere in the internet. <laughs> um, and uh, I remember enjoying it, but yeah, I can definitely see why it's not as. Uh, not nearly as um, heralded as the OVA is. Yeah, so I, yeah, I don't think I'm alone in that opinion either. I do think a, a lot of people uh, had some criticism of the TV, but maybe we're looking into the TV show for something that's just not there. We're, we're going into it thinking it's like the OVA, and it's just a different beast entirely. So uh, Some other stuff I liked about it is uh, it's very of the era. So it came out in 2001, which is, is it's right, right there when George Bush became president. So there's a lot of George Bush jokes so maybe that's kind of dated but i found them really funny george not to get political but george bush uh pees himself in it and he and he's made into be like kind of a coward so i i thought that was pretty funny uh especially in the dub they really uh amp it up they give him the texas accent so i thought that was hilarious too oh yeah yeah 
Uh, and one kind of uh, unfortunate feature of this is, or, or, or and also like a coincidence, it it was came out in like you said two thousand one, and the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers, they they're so much of a focus of mm. I think it was an episode two. There's such a major focus of this of this anime, so kind of a little bit of an unfortunate uh, aspect of the anime is that every time you watch it, you look and it's like the Twin Towers are there. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was one thing I noticed immediately. It's like, oh, this happened like right before. This was made right before 9-11. Well, at least it released in... The first episode came out May 23rd, 2001. So that was, like, right before 9-11. And they probably yeah. made it, even even if... And I don't know when episode two... I mean, no, it says... Wikipedia says May 23rd, 2001 to February 6th, 2002. So 9-11 happened somewhere in between. And it's possible they made the episode, and then 9-11 happened, and then they released the episode. So, yeah, it's just unfortunate. But I am glad they kept it in there, despite that. Yeah, it would have been it would have been kind of sad if they just they took it out for censorship reasons or for to to not offend people. I mean, they made it. Just I'm glad that they they stuck to their guns and left it in there. Other other comments that I have about this, I do remember enjoying it even more like the first time I watched it, and maybe back then was I don't know so many years ago, and I, I hadn't seen as much anime as I've seen now. But it was because it was just so actiony packed, so Hollywood esque, so James Bond esque. It was different than a lot of anime, so I was like, all right, I'm, I really loved it now. I still love it now. It's still great now. Uh, but I just remember enjoying it so much more the first time, but I still really like it. So that, I don't know maybe if it just doesn't hold up as well, but it's still really good, really good uh, OVA. And the pacing is, is quite different, like you said, from uh, normal anime because it's an OVA and because each episode is 30 minutes, the pacing can be a little different, can be a little more fast-paced. And because of that, they well, because... They're not restricted to TV length. They were allowed to do to pace it as, as they pleased, which is nice. Which is often a pro- which is often a problem. Like when you're adapting a manga into an anime, you're restricted to the 23 minutes slash 12 episodes. And when you're doing an OVA, you're not you're not restricted to that. And I guess I guess 30 three 30 minute episodes felt right to them. So that's what they went with. Yeah, yeah, and it, it works out. It works out well. Uh, it, it's not a super deep anime i mean we were talking uh, or not and it's not a super emotionally packed anime like the last few anime we've watched we've, we've discussed a lot of them have been very deep very philosophical very much uh one one anime was big about jurisprudence one anime was very emotional i have two animes we've, we've talked about very have very big emotional impacts this one it's more hollywood james bond all right we're gonna get the action we're gonna get the cool superpowers we're gonna get the cool gadgets we're gonna do cool crazy stuff cool crazy over-the-top fight scenes we're gonna bring back all these old dead people who maybe you heard of maybe you didn't but I, I, you know i like can't criticize it for for what it's, it's not trying to do so but if people are into deep anime or very emotionally impacting anime this is definitely not that type of a show this is more of an action-packed kind of thing yeah yes yeah, uh, not would you say it's trying to say anything or is it just pretty much like it's just like right on the surface there it's just like an action show you know don't if it is saying anything it's don't kill people (laughs) yeah it's very shallow like if you're trying to look into this for some it's not not a deep political message if you're trying to look into this from some deep message if you're trying to like crack the code like you got to crack the code of neon genesis evangelion or serial (laughs) experiments lane and you want to watch this like 20 times and try to figure it out i'm sorry but i don't think there was much there it's pretty much what's on the surface you know what it says on the tin that's that's what it is yeah I, I, i agree yeah it's just it's just a fun show. Yeah, uh, and I do one other thing I want to say. Yeah, it's a very fun show. Uh, just the last fight they do see they do save the best fight scene for the end, and I won't spoil it, but it has to do with Nancy or Miss Deep, and her power is that she can go through other people 
and rip out their hearts and stuff like that. And the final fight scene involves Mystique, and I won't spoil who she fights because that's a major spoiler, but uh, I did really yes. like that. Very well choreographed, very cool. that last fight. Uh, and about the dub itself, too. Uh, the dub's pretty good. It's not excellent, but I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It's pretty good. It's watchable. I, I, watch, I actually watch the dub. Usually I watch the sub, but... Um, now in this case, I watched the dub because that was just the default option on the Blu-ray, and I didn't feel like changing it. So I was like, yeah, eh, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, my favorite part is Amanda Wynn Lee plays uh, Miss Deep, or uh, Nancy. And I-, I love her in this. Very different type of role for her, especially when this came out. I mean, this came out post-Neon Genesis Evangelion, post, I think, uh, Death and Rebirth and End of Evangelion. So she just got off of that playing Rei Ayanami, mm. who's a very stoic Moe, possibly oh, yeah. character, oh, yeah. right? Uh, and she came off from that, and now she's playing Nancy, who's definitely like a femin fatale or whatever. She's totally like a sexy agent, like in your face, like not afraid of anything. Use her sexuality to fight, and she has big boobs and everything. And she's she's out there with guns and everything, and totally like in your face, action packed, aggressive woman. And it's a very different role for for Amanda Winley versus the stoic Rayayanami. I, I liked yeah, her in this. Yep, yeah, yeah, definitely. The other, the other actors do a fine job. I love whoever played uh, the uh, George Bush type of character because they that guy did a hilarious, hilarious <laughs> job. Um, and uh, yeah, Crispin Freeman does a does a nice job as their boss, the Joker. But uh, the rest of the character, the rest of the actors are, are just, they're just they're fine, but they're not, it's not amazing. So that that's really all I have to say about Reader Die. But I do suggest uh, you know check it out if you haven't seen it. it is it is one of those kind of classics that. Uh, you know, I think people do need to, to, to watch an anime. It's one of those things that it's different than other stuff. It's unique, and, it, and it's it's action-packed. It's fun. Adventure. Uh, definitely should check it out. I'm, I'm nodding in agreement. Yes, uh, definitely check it out. It is, it is worth your time. Yes. All right. I mean, uh, that's really all I have to say about uh, Read or Die, the OVA. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. Johnny. Four weeks, 20 papers, that's $2, plus tip. Gee, Johnny, I don't have a dime. Sorry. Didn't ask for a dime. $2. Well, it's funny, see, my mom had to leave early to take my my brother to school and my dad to work, because... $2. Cash. See, the problem here is, is that my little brother this morning got his arm caught in the microwave, and... And uh, my grandmother dropped acid and she freaked out and hijacked a school bus full of penguins. So it's kind of a family crisis. So come back later, great. In 1812, Madison was mad. He was the president, you know. Well, he thought he'd tell the British where they ought to go. He thought he'd invade Canada. He thought that he was tough. Instead, we went to Washington and burned out all his stuff in the White House. Burn, 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 and we're the ones that did it. It burned, 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 while the president ran and cried. It burned, 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 and things were very historical. And the Americans ran and cried like a bunch of little babies. Wah, wah, wah. I'm badass, and you're good ass. You're goody little two shoes. You're goody little two shoes. Goody little two shoes. 
Suggestion uh, for this week, uh, what, what I, what I uh, suggested that we watch, is an anime called Gunsmith Cats. It's uh, adapted from a manga by Kenichi Sonata, uh, which is a, a, an early 90s manga. It ran all the way into 1997. Um, what they did was they adapted the anime into a three-part OVA series. It's another three-part OVA anime. And it came out in Japan uh, between uh, November 1st, 1995 to September 1st. 1996 so it's a very 90s anime and they're gonna what what they did was very smart um in my opinion because i've i've read like about half of the manga which is really good by the way too uh and what they did here was very smart instead of like adapting the manga from like page one and they knew they probably they didn't they're not making a tv series here so they're not going to get through all of it or instead of taking like the best stuff that he did instead they make an anime original uh, they adapt the characters, they set it in the world, they reference stuff that's in the manga, but they tell their own story, which which I love, because listen, if you like the manga, and then you want to get into the anime, it's the same thing, but it tells a different story, so you're not re- rehashing the same stuff. If you get into the anime first, and then you want to go read the manga, you don't have to like read through the stuff that you just saw. So I really liked that uh, aspect of... Uh, how they adapted this anime. But getting into the plot itself, what what is uh, Gunsmith Cats? Well, it's about these two girls. One of them, well, not really girls. Uh, one is a woman. Uh, Rally Vincent. She's the owner of a gun shop in Chicago, Illinois. So it's set in America, which already, uh, I love that because different setting. Anytime an anime takes place outside of Tokyo, I'm always happy because uh, I'm, I'm tired of the same setting in Tokyo. But this is an anime that takes place in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, and Rally Vincent is an owner of a gun shop, but technically that's kind of her cover because she's really a bounty hunter and she goes around uh, capturing people who, uh, you know, skip out on bail. And she has a new partner, a decently new partner, you can kind of tell. Her name is Minnie Mae Hopkins and she, I mean, if you read the manga, they really explain who she is, but she's an ex-prostitute. But she, in this anime, all you really know is she is an, an explosives expert, and uh, she's always this uh, cute-as-a-button kind of girl. And uh, they both work with uh, their friend, this really greedy information expert called Becky, and she's kind of like their accountant, too, and kind of gives them law advice. Uh, she's very stingy, very geeky-like. Uh, she's dorky, it's cute. And anyway, these three girls, they, they go around and they, they, they capture people. Uh, skipping out on bail and everything like that. And after one of their jobs, they actually get kind of uh, blackmailed uh, by the ATF. They get extorted by the ATF, the uh, the uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Uh, the, uh, the, they're pretty much like a federal agency. They're kind of like the FBI, the ATF. Uh, and uh, one of the guys there, uh, he extorts them and he says, Hey, you got a lot of guns in this place. Do you have this type of license for them? And do you have this uh, permit? And do you have that? And they're like, uh, he's like, well, I can get you a discount on all that stuff if you work for me. 
and they don't want to help him. He's kind of a scummy, sleazy kind of guy, but he's got a charm to himself, and he knows how to turn on the charm sometimes. Uh, his name, by the way, is uh, Bill Collins. And so they're going to do some missions for Bill Collins as well, involving one of the people that they just arrested. And it turns into a big conspiracy about gun running and about people sneaking guns in from Canada. And uh, I believe there's a Russian uh, ex-KGB character that will get involved and they'll have to take her on as well. But the, the best part about this anime, though, is it's totally a gun porn, car porn kind of anime and what i mean by that is there's so much emphasis and even in the manga it goes into more detail on cars especially the 1967 shelby gt500 which is rally's car so much emphasis on the guns and i'm not a gun guy so i can't tell you the first thing about what guns they have but apparently they go into a lot of detail on different types of guns uh and they show so much of the gun aspect of it as well and of course even even uh grenades because Minnie Mae hopkins uh, she's big on the uh, explosives, so she she has smoke grenades and flashbangs and all these different types of explosives uh, and uh, C4 and grenades and stuff like that. And there's a lot of emphasis paid towards that. Uh, this anime is very, I think, Hollywood movie-like, just like uh, Read or Die, I think, in a way. It's, it's a different type of Hollywood. This is more of that gunslinging action, car chases, traditional police kind of a, of a, of a, of a, of a anime, all right, trying to take that aspect of Hollywood and turn it into an anime, and I think that's kind of why it's set in uh, Chicago. So before I, I keep going on, because I can go on forever, uh, anything <laughs> that you wanted to add about this, uh, John? Yeah, one thing, uh, like you said, I love this movie, I'm sorry, movie, um, this is show just screams 90s action films and it was really really refreshing to see something like this in an animated form because you don't really see that kind of like gritty western um action like car chases and gun battles in animation that much even in you know american animation cartoons are mostly for kids and you know in anime you have a few shows like this um especially from that era but these days you don't you don't get that much, and especially shows that take place in America. And I thought that was really cool too. It was like, oh, it's, this takes place in Chicago, and I actually watched the show uh, subtitle, which it was like, oh, this is probably the one show I should have watched dub <laughs> because. Um, right, yeah, since it takes place in America. My my off my rule is often if the show takes place in America, I watch the dub because the character is going to be speaking English. Uh, so I violate my own rule there. I probably should. Go back and rewatch it now. Um, so, how is the dub, actually, if you want to say a oh, few yes, words about I that? Oh, yes, I love the dub. This is an excellent dub. I mean, it is a 90s dub, so you got to excuse a few things here and there. But this is a Matt Greenfield dub. He's, he's definitely one of my favorite uh, ADR directors, uh, dub directors. And he casts, again, Amanda Winley, the person behind Ray Ayanami. He cast her as Rally Vincent. And she does an amazing job, probably one of her... More famous roles, if people remember this, besides Rei Ayanami. Excellent job here. Uh, Tiffany Grant, who played Asuka. Uh, she plays Becky, so that's awesome too. And then, but my favorite, though, is a guy that nobody knows, nobody cares about, nobody remembers. Uh, Bob M Mungle, I think is how you say his name, or Mungle. He plays Bill. He plays the ATF guy. He's sadly been kind of renegated to doing these, like, you know, small little bit roles here and there, but he is so good in this. He makes uh, Bill, the ATF guy, seem sleazy and kind of, you know, you know, rough around the edges and kind of gruff, but then he's got a little bit of the charm and he turns it on. So he does an excellent, excellent job as uh, Bill. And he really, like, when you hear him, you're like, all right, this guy should be in more anime. And it's really kind of sad that he's been kind of 
you know, stuck in doing kind of bit roles since uh, this anime. At least I don't remember him in, in very much besides this. So definitely an excellent dub. All right, yeah, I, I got to rewatch it then. Uh, another thing I want to say about this show, and I feel it's something that, that's often glossed over, and because uh, I, I had never heard anyone talk about this show's opening before, and I thought that was really stylish. Um, the, the the music was great, but also the animation itself was just very stylish, and I, I feel like when everyone talks about that this kind of opening in that style, everyone's just going to default to Cowboy Bebop because... That's kind of the iconic, got the, the tank opening by uh, Yoko Kano, <laughs> and it has a similar art style in the opening. And I'm just like, well, what about Gunsmith Cats? That's really cool, too. And yeah. and I, I went on Twitter, I was like, yeah, how come nobody ever talks? I've been to like, I've been to probably like 10 different, at uh, different anime cons, you know, whenever there's an a anime panel, or anime openings throughout the ages type of panel. Um, I know Chuck, uh, Charles Dunbar runs a few of them. Um, whenever there's that, that, that type of panel, um, I always go to those, and I've never heard Gunsmith, Gunsmith Cats mentions. Cowboy Bebop gets mentioned all the fucking time. And I guess, you know, it's, it's a good opening, but, you know, this one's good too. So how about, you know, don't talk about the one everyone already knows, talk about this one. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the thing about this is this is this is before Bebop, right? They did this years before Bebop, right? It was I think two years yeah. before Bebop was even a thing. So if you're gonna give Bebop props, you gotta give this props because this was before it. And in my opinion, it's cooler looking. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff in the Bebop opening, and the song is of course excellent, in Bebop. But the look of this is so stylish. So amazing. I love when she puts on a leather jacket and she jumps into the car. And it's very stylish. Very, uh, you know, jazzy, of course, the music. And I, I just love the I love the opening. You're right. It's a good thing to, to focus on. And I, I, I never see it in reviews either. People just gloss over that. Yeah, and a lot of the replies I get, it was like, it was like um, yeah, people, some people were just sadly like, oh, let me let me actually look up that tweet. Let's see. Yeah, one person said, quite true. It's like another 90 seconds of Bacchano or Cowboy Bebop opening. And we should all want that. So I agree. Uh, one person said, it's not as popular because modern day anime fans can't appreciate classics. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> and another person just said, it's a fantastic OP and an amazing OVA. So yeah, good good, good comments there. So thanks to those who replied. And um, yeah, I fully agree. I mean, this is, this is an opening that really deserves more praise. Very well done. Exactly. Yeah, very stylish. Very cool. I like, there's a lot of blue and red in the opening, which wouldn't yes. be present in the in the actual show itself but I, I like that. All right, now they're talking about animation. The animation in this, uh, maybe because it's an OVA, but I think the animation is excellent. And the artwork is photorealistic. This is probably one of my favorite looking shows, at least for the backgrounds. It really looks like you're looking at photographs at sometimes, but not in a distracting way, in a, oh my God, I can't believe they drew this way. And it blends in with the character designs very well. It's not off-putting at all. The backgrounds in this definitely, hands down, like, the best backgrounds I've seen in an anime. Uh, it's so realistic, and this is a very well-researched anime. They came to Chicago to, you know, look at the sites, talk to police officers, talk to the uh, the mayor's office, talk to uh, museum people. I mean, this is highly researched, and they scouted out the sites in Chicago when they drew this, and they, they I'm sure they took photographs and notes. And also... The Shelby GT500, the 1967 Shelby GT500, they rented one to get the actual sound effects that that car makes. All right, what does it sound like when it turns? What does it sound like when it hits the gas? What does it sound like when it hits the brakes? And they recorded it, 
and also they 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 looked at it from many different angles, so they knew how to draw the Shelby GT500, which is probably my favorite car. It's one of the coolest looking cars out there. Yeah, and I always love when like um, shows authors are working in an area they're not familiar with, or the, the setting is an area they're not familiar with. What they actually put in the effort to do the research and, and maybe actually go there and see what it's like. Uh, another example to go on on a bit of a tangent is the the first Love Live movie. Part of it takes place in New York, and they actually did a great job representing. Um, the, the the landmarks, the you know the Statue of Liberty, certain hotels in there, Central Park, and it was like wow, this is really cool. One reason why I love that movie so much is just how it, it represented New York, and you could tell they really did. I don't know if they actually went there, but they certainly did their research, that's for sure. And you can see that here in Gunsmith Cats as well. And talking about the background, you were talking about the background art too. One thing I just loved is that that closing shot at the very end of the last episode, where you have that wide wide shot of Chicago, the Chicago skyline. That's just that's a perfect way to end it. Yes, I love that. That's really good. And, it, and it, it looks really like, I mean, that's what Chicago looks like. So the first time I watched it, the first few times I watched this, I had not been to Chicago. And I've been, I was in Chicago maybe, I don't know, four four years ago now. And so on my rewatch of this, I'm even more like impressed and it's it's really like wow like they this is this is what chicago is like this is what the outskirts of chicago is like so it's pretty much like they, they transport you to chicago like if you want to know what it looks like to be in chicago uh you can watch this anime and you're like you really get the gist of what chicago looked like i'm sure in the in the mid 90s because some things have changed but it's it's pretty much it's right on the nose there and i love an, any anime that you could sell that there's a lot of care being taken behind this there's a lot of care a lot of thought behind every single thing they show you from Raleigh's house in the suburbs of chicago to the sears tower in chicago to those bridges that you know those infamous infamous bridges in chicago that have to open up for the boats to get through and there's always going to be a car jumping over it kind of like in I, I guess that was the blues brothers right where the cars jump over it just like that is gonna it's gonna be that's gonna take place in gunsmith cats as well yeah just that kind of action it was just great in the show and you were talking another thing you were talking about the it was the animation and uh, I would say it even holds up by today's standards. Um, you could probably you could see the age a little bit there, but it's not going to be completely off putting. And it might it may have been because it's an OVA that it maybe it got a larger budget. Um, but you know, like the, the I think the biggest thing you're going to notice is is in four by three instead of sixteen by nine widescreen. But even that is not that should not be a deal breaker for anyone uh, because the, the the animation itself still holds up. And it's really, it's really well done. And that combined with the background art is excellent. Yeah, like I said, definitely some of the best background art I've, I've seen in anime. Uh, another thing interesting, probably unique about this show, or at least stands out in my, in my mind, is perhaps in anime they don't say it, but I'm pretty sure in the manga, the manga they come out and they say that Rally is an Indian American. Uh, she's not like a, a white person and you can kind of tell from the anime she's not a Japanese mm-hmm. person so that's kind of cool and I think it's almost certain that Minnie Mae is a American girl I don't know about Becky uh, I sometimes I get the feeling that she's supposed to be maybe Japanese American I don't know but uh, I, I found that pretty cool uh, and Becky's a very small role in the, in the uh, manga, so they, I like how they focus on her a lot in this. Uh, there's, uh, you know, they, they take characters that are kind of minor in the anime, and they and they emphasize them more. And then there were characters that were very major in the in the uh, manga. The police officer, I forget his name, and his assistant. Not the ATF people, but there's a different police officer who'll show up in the third episode, and they kind of have them cameo which I thought was pretty cool. It's like, these are main characters in the manga, but obviously we're telling a different story than the manga. So they bring them in and they're like, well, you know, we, we know 
that you guys like these characters and we're going to show you them. And it's kind of like a hint, like you hope, oh, is there going to be like a sequel and are they going to be more involved? But sadly, they never made more than these three episodes. I mean, and that's the, that's the problem with both of these animes, uh, both uh, Read or Die and Gunsmith Cats, is they leave you wanting more and you wish that there was more of them. And sadly, it just kind of ends with the third episode. Yeah, and I mean, Read or Die, you kind of did have more with the TV series, but as most people will tell you, it's not nearly as good as the OVA. So unfortunately, yeah, just we really have just three episodes of each of these, and that's kind of it. It's it's like like I said last last episode with the um, talk about Judge. It was like, well, this is it's like this is such a fascinating concept. Why didn't you do more with this? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a, <laughs> so. a wasted opportunity there. Uh, I always hope that someone will go back and be like, let's 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 like animate the entire manga of Gunsmith Cats, or at least let's do the first manga because I think there's two mangas. Uh, there's like the original one, and then there's like a a burst or something like that. I, I'd hope at least somebody would go back and do at least the first manga and adapt that as a TV series or something because that that'd be cool. I mean, there's no. I know there's no lack of things for anime studios to be adapting, but that would be something cool to go back and, 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 and do a modern version of this. Yeah, I mean, that, that does happen every now and then where we get a remake of a, of a very obscure show that's kind of been forgotten. So it's not completely out of the question, but I'm not, I'm not exactly holding my breath either. So it'll be nice. Uh, nice to have, but not counting on it. Yeah, I'm not going to go put my uh, money down on this. I'm not going to go to Vegas and bet on that happening. But I was also not expecting <laughs> for anybody to redo Record of Lotus War. Uh, was it Record of Lotus War? Um, no, uh, uh, Arslan. Uh, I kept those two confused. Heroic Legend of Arslan. I was not expecting anyone to redo that uh, anime that was totally forgotten about, but they did redo that one. So you never know. Yeah. Well, actually, Lotus War just got, got a game that came out on, on Steam. It's like a Metroidvania-type game. So, yeah, it is actually still getting content. I'm not sure if it's an official or a fan-made, but it's it's there. <laughs> yeah. See, so you never know. Sometimes they bring back these old things. Uh, another cool aspect of Gunsmith Bats Cats, which I definitely had to I have to I have to bring up, which is again just shows how well researched this anime is, how much thought and care went into it. All right, in the anime itself, we know that Rally and her partner Minnie Mae are being blackmailed or extorted by the ATF, which already doesn't paint the ATF in good light, but there's actually a big corruption scandal happening at the ATF in this anime, and there's a leak, and somebody is, you know, blabbing, and somebody is working with the bad guys, and this is not, I mean, maybe you watch it now and you go, okay, this is a little unrealistic, I mean, that would never would happen with the FBI, but, again, very brilliantly done, they don't use the FBI, they use the ATF, and in the 90s, there were many, 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 many scandals with the uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the ATF. Uh, so it's very 90s in that aspect, because in the 90s, they were corrupt. They were very bad at their job. I mean, I hope no ATF people come to my house now. <laughs> but they were <laughs> bad at their job. They were not effective. Uh, so it makes sense to have a, a corrupt ATF members even going all the way up to, uh, not to spoil it, but going all the way up to the top is not an unrealistic thing. And even after this anime was made, I, I found two major scandals that the ATF were involved in. For example, in 2006, they were in, involved in this scandal called Gunwalking. And there was one in 2010 called Fast and Furious, which uh, I think a lot of people know about that one. Uh, kind of overblown. But still, uh, two major scandals, again, 
ATF. So very well researched that. I wonder, like, how the hell the Japanese know that the ATF is kind of a corrupt, you know, uh, organization? It's not always on the up and up. And again, very well researched in that aspect. Yeah, very cool. And I, I'm going to be honest, I barely knew what the ATF was before watching this. I had to, I had to look it up because I, I had <laughs> heard of the ATF before, but I never really knew what they were. It's not something that was ever mentioned in school. I'd heard of the FBI. Everyone knows what the FBI is and the CIA. But ATF was like, yeah, what, what are these guys? Uh, and uh, I learned a lot. <laughs> so, and, and I guess uh, it's it's good that it's kind of true to its time that the ATF was involved in a lot of scandals back then, and there's a scandal involving the ATF in this show, so. Yeah, it's, it's, it, ATF's kind of one of those, uh, uh, I guess, departments that fly under the radar, and the only reason I knew about them way back when, when I first watched this, was because of uh, in Beavis and Butthead, the movie, uh, the ATF is following them the whole time. So otherwise, if I didn't see that movie, I would have no idea who they were when I first watched this either. And I was not allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead when I was a kid, so I have no idea. Yes, at least watch the movie. <laughs> One of these days, I should just watch it. Uh, it also stars the ATF, uh, and it is hilarious. I know it's not an anime, but uh, it, 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 it's definitely <laughs> excellent. Oh, I love my American cartoons too, especially The Simpsons. Oh, yes. Simpsons are my favorite. Uh, Beavis and Butthead, the TV series, has some ups and downs, but the movie is excellent. Uh, but yeah, The Simpsons is solid. And uh, not to get off track here, but people criticize the newer episodes, and yeah, 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 it has different writers, but it, it's still, they still they still do a very well job with The Simpsons. And I know it's everything's been done to death in The Simpsons, but I, I love The Simpsons. One of my favorite American animated series or cartoons. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, some other stuff about uh, Gunsmith Cats. I Like I said, I could talk about it all day, but episode one was bigger focus on the gunfights. So if you like the gunfights, I mean, there's a lot of cool gunfights going on in episode one. Episode two was all about the cool driving and it showcases the Shelby GT500, which is a Mustang, you know, adapted by this guy, Carol Shelby. Uh, they're, they're actually a very valuable car if you get an original. Uh, it's pretty cool that they focus on that car so much all about car chases, and I feel like the car is almost a character in itself in, the, in that episode. Uh, Talking about Moe stuff, I, I do think this anime has a little bit of the cute girls doing action things instead of cute girls doing cute things. Uh, they're cute girls doing mm -hmm. action-y things, and yeah, there is some fan service in this, but it's nothing uh, too out of place. The manga is definitely dirtier than the anime. I don't think there's anything that objective in the uh, uh, in the anime, except, you know, some underwear show shots, but that's about it. Yeah, that's the worst you see is just some underwear shots. Uh, yeah, I could say, like, I, I know we often say, like, uh, what I was saying earlier is that Moe is often this, this need to protect something, and these girls can clearly handle themselves. Um, so, like, it, it, that yeah. kind of Moe doesn't apply in this situation, but Moe can, I feel, also apply to, like, these, you know, a kick-ass femme fatale type character. You know, as long as they're as long as you're kind of cute in a way, you know, whatever you find cute, and that's that's subjective. If it's cute, it's Moe. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel. I, w I was feeling more, maybe not a uh, rally, but Minnie Mae, although she has the grenades, she definitely kind of makes a fool out of herself, and I do think she needs to be protected in some instances. And, and Rally is the one that protects her, I think, with guns blazing and everything. So, uh, in a way, yeah, she, she does need to be protected. I know she's a badass and she's got the grenades, but she always makes a fool of herself and doesn't always use them in the right way. And puts herself in more danger, and then you can kind of feel like, okay, someone's got to come protect her, whether it's Rally or whether it's the ATF. 
you know, so I, and that way it actually could, it could yeah. be. I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching the, the limits of this, but. No, no, you're right. Min, no, Minnie Mig is kind of a, like this klutzy type character, especially in that one scene where like the bad guys are in the basement. They're like stealing all the guns and everything and she just drops the explosives. Exactly. So that's, yeah, that's what stuck out yeah, to me. Yeah, that's a little bit yeah. there. I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching the definitions of it. I'm, I'm trying to look for Moe where it's not there, but uh, but I, I do like that the, 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 the cute girl's doing cute things, but cute girl's doing action-y things. Uh, some other cool stuff about it. It ends... Or at least the last scene is at the uh, the what is it the Art Institute of Chicago and they, they they depict those famous lions there and again it's just like they really understood the setting and it's a very very good use of the setting because I've seen anime where it's like this vaguely takes place in Los Angeles this vaguely takes place in New York and it's like really this could be Japan like they I, I don't really see why they had to tell us where it takes place uh, this anime it's like they really use their setting. Uh, to their advantage. And it's also like, the, it also makes sense that it kind of has to take place in the U.S. because there's no ATF in Japan. There's no debate over gun rights. I mean, there might be a debate, over, but it's not nearly as big as the one in happening in the U.S. So, and that is kind of tangential to the plot a little bit, at least a little bit. So, it kind of, yeah, this does kind of have to take place in, the, in America, I Yeah, feel. there's no bounty hunters, at least I don't think so, in Japan, and, and, and most people, t- yeah, almost nobody can carry a gun in Japan, so. And I think the mangaka had to, like, study guns in, like, specific museums and, like, uh, and police headquarters and, and actually travel to, to, uh, to America and different countries to actually, like, get good information on guns back then and, like, see them firsthand. And I know for a fact the anime... Uh, they went to gun stores in America, and they went to gun places in America, so they can get a complete understanding of how guns work and how they will use them in the show. Because, like you said, in Japan, guns are just not like the thing that they are in America. Yeah, and that, that is really impressive that they actually went the extra mile, or the extra thousands of miles to do that work. That is that is work that 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 deserves praise, right yeah. there. Yeah, like I said, incredibly well researched. They went to multiple police departments. Uh, homicide detectives the police academy so much research went into this and it does it, it does show and i'm sure a lot of money they kind of burned on this and i wonder if it was partly like let's go on a vacation to america but they really mm-hmm. used that uh to their advantage when yep. they made this and if they had some fun in the process more power to so, them so i mean that's about all i have to say about this one uh and, and like i think we've mentioned it already the music is is, is top notch as well very jazzy very indicative of yes. what like a cop show what you would think the music would sound like in an american cop show yes yeah oh also one one just one wondering uh because you were mentioning episode one is very big on the very heavy on the gun battles so i have uh if you have a surround sound system with a subwoofer you're gonna find yourself constantly raising and lowering the volume Uh, i don't know if if it's the the um audio engineering on the on the dvd or whatever but there was something like i could barely hear the characters talk but when anytime there was an explosive Go off! I can, oh boy, could I hear that? It might be something wrong with my system. I but I just think that I thought that was kind of funny. How I, t- I was like, oh well, I guess they, they did a good job on the sound effects for the explosives and the gunshots. But I can barely hear the characters talking now. <laughs> what if I lower the volume? So yeah. one thing was really loud. One thing was really soft. So but yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> that might be an audio engineer problem, or yeah, it might be on your end. I don't know because I don't have that uh, yeah. speaker set up here. I, I'm just using a TV speaker. I gotta get. That's that's on my list of things. Maybe Christmas, uh, a good surround sound, you know, good speaker system for my TV. That's definitely on my list. Yeah, it's it's. So the thing about just to go off on a bit of a tangent though is a lot of uh, Japanese stuff. However, is is, is two point audio only. Yeah. And um, I someone once told me that that's because a lot of people live in small small places small places that they don't have room for a surround sound system in Japan. 
Um, so like most concert DVDs, for example, music video DVD, uh, Blu-rays, DVDs, even anime is just 2.0 audio only. So if if you do watch lots of American movies, like some American sci-fi movies especially, and action films, by all means, invest yourself in a, invest in, in a uh, 5.1 or 7.1 or surround sound system with a subwoofer. Otherwise, if you're just, if you're just watching anime, uh, it's probably not going to be worth it. You're probably not going to notice much difference. Yeah, it's not a necessity, but I really hate the speaker on my TV, too, because I feel it's it's way... you got to, like, blast it just to hear it. So I just hate this, because the speakers are in the back of the flat-screen TVs, and it's just uh, not a fan of that, so I just need something. Oh, yeah, like yeah, that's... yeah. The, anything's better than TV speakers. Hey, if you, if you don't, if you don't want to go the full mile to get a surround sound system, at least get a sound bar. Something that goes in front yeah. of the TV, and that, that will at least give you the illusion of surround sound. Um, so that's pretty good, too. It's a lot, a lot better than TV speakers. Yeah. If you want to do something, though, I figure I'd just do it right and get the, get the whole surround sound. One last thing about this is uh, this was brought out by ADV Films. It was dubbed by ADV, like I said. Uh, Matt Greenfield, probably one of my favorite dub directors. It's a great dub on it. Uh, and I believe it went out of print with them, but I think Animigo re-released it. So uh, it's, it's readily available out there with Animigo. And I think they had a nice uh, release. Great. People were telling me. I know me. They, do, they do good stuff, Animigo. I've heard, I've heard good things about that company, so. Nice. Yeah, I have the ADV set because it's, it's very old, but I hear good things about the Animigo's release of it. Uh, it's, it's a little expensive. I think it's like $40, but, uh, you know, they, they do a nice nice job uh, with it. It has some uh, cool uh, extra stuff with it. And like I said, if you if you like the anime, this is the type of stuff where you should go back and then read the manga because you're not going to be bored. I absolutely hate that. Maybe I'm the weird one out here, but when I, re- like, watch an anime... And let's say, okay, I really like this anime. Now I want to go read the manga. And it's like the first, like, I don't know how many chapters are just the stuff that I just watched. And it's like, I don't really want to go through that again. So I like to, I like how this one, the anime is unique. Uh, I'm sorry, not unique. Um, it tells its own story, but it's definitely related to the uh, world of the manga. You kind of can't tell. I'm, in my opinion of it, it takes place kind of in the middle of the manga or maybe towards the end of the manga. But, uh... I like that because it's it's you're not you're not retressing the same lines. You're not going through the same stuff over and over again to get something new. No, out of actually, it. a question for you. Um, I'm reading that this is somehow related to Writing Bean. Oh yes, yes. Do you know, that's do a you good, know much uh, about that? Question. How is it? Is it same universe? Yeah, uh, technically, barely. All right. So the deal with it, it was um, he. I think I, I could be getting the story wrong here, but uh, the mangaka had this gunsmith cat's idea in his head i don't know if he started the manga yet but then he had it they had a chance in the 80s to do something so he kind of like all right we're gonna make this anime uh and it's gonna star rally vincent and it's called riding bean and it's kind of the idea that he wanted gunsmith cats to be but uh it, they they made it as an as an I think it's an OVA in the eighties too, which is also really amazing. So it, and it, I think it kind of takes place in the universe. Although Rally is a very different character in this, she works with the Riding Bean, who he is kind of the more main character, and it's a guy. But she, she's very different, and she's definitely white in that versus in this. I feel she's definitely brown. She's a brown character. But uh, besides that, though, other characters in it do kind of relate and you can kind of tell it does take place in the same world so it's one of those weird things where maybe there's two rallies right there's the rally that works with the gunsmith cats and then there's the rally that is in riding bean but riding bean is also a thing people definitely need to look at it is very 80s so maybe we should cover it one day it's super 80s got super 80s 
soundtrack. Uh, the, the artwork is very 80s. It's actually more risque than Gunsmith Cats. Uh, he definitely, they go into deeper, darker stuff and, and more perverted stuff, maybe we could say. But it, it, it's it's very similar to this. Yeah, I've seen, I saw Red and Bean for the first time about a year ago, and it, it is very good. And especially for its age, it is extraordinarily well animated. I mean, it is only a one episode or movie, I guess you could call it, a 48-minute movie, if you want to call it that. I guess it's an OVA, technically. But yeah, it is very, very well done, and I really quite enjoyed that. Yeah, so, uh, absolutely. Also worth checking out. Yeah. Um. And the thing, the thing with Riding Bean, uh, the the music is definitely dated, but I love that kind of datedness to it. And I do know that Riding mm-hmm. Bean, he does make an appearance in the Gunsmith Cats manga. He's in it. He's not a main character, but he shows up from time to time. So it's definitely they're in the same world. It's just kind of weird that Rally, there's two Rally Vincents. And I never, I never kind of grasped, like, why is she white? Why is she working at Riding Bean? Maybe they kind of explain it later on in the manga, because I didn't finish it. But it, it's it's one of those weird things where it's, it doesn't make it entire sense, but it definitely takes place in the same universe. Yeah, it might, might be just a coincidence. Uh, like, uh, well, apparently she's called Irene in the in Riding Bean. Irene Rally and Vincent, so right. maybe that's different. Yeah. Maybe she's a different person which, that just kind of shares this. The same name as a coincidence. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, but you you could tell what, what really uh, Kenichi Sonata was trying to do was he had this idea of the you know the uh, the bounty hunters and uh, the cute girls and the guns and the cars and the and, and the uh, you know the GT five hundred the Mustang he had this idea um, and he kind of put this together and this was kind of like his first draft where like Gunsmith Cats was kind of like okay now I can really do what I wanted to do with this and he kind of ties it all together. And actually, it turns out. No, in, in Gunsmith that Cats, her name is also Irene Riley Vincent. So, okay. all right, I'm just going to, well, I'm still going to say maybe it's just a coincidence that two completely different characters happen to have the same name. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just go with that. <laughs> yeah. Another side uh, effect is I loved these animes so much that, uh, you know, I wanted, I always wanted to get a Mustang, but I love these, these, the, both these animes have the blue with the white striped Mustang. So I had to like get that, that, that is my car now. So I guess uh, mm. anime influenced my real life that I had to get a car that was in Riding Bean and uh, Gunsmith Cats. <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll have to talk about Riding Bean one day. It's 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 really good. There's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in that one as well. Though it is darker, uh, it, it is more perverted. The manga, uh, the, the 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 Gunsmith Cats manga is more perverted. But you know, I, I I enjoyed both of them. Great. So I mean, that's that's about all I have to say about uh, either of those two. Yeah, I think that we did a good job covering everything, and uh, that's that are our thoughts. That's our thoughts on the RODOVA and Gunsmith Cats. Definitely two series I would recommend checking out. Yeah, they're not gonna. They're not huge time sinks because they're only. Three yeah, I was about each. to say that they're both uh, short, sweet, uh, get to the point, very action packed, kind of opposite of our old uh, shows where there's a lot of emotional impact or depth to them. Uh, these are just action packed. Let's get to it. Uh, cool fight scenes, very well choreographed, both of them. I guess that's about it for today. So uh, this is a uh, precast episode three. I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening so far, and we'll be back next time with some more shows to uh, review. Have a nice day, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you.